Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. everyone and welcome back to this series of Headstrong. Headstrong, for those of you who don't know, is a podcast where I sit down with a number of individuals in the public eye to talk to them about everything about their life, but most importantly, their struggles and vulnerabilities to hopefully get you on a path to becoming Headstrong. As I briefly mentioned there, This is a Rugby World Cup special with the Rugby World Cup going on right now over in Japan and I'd just like to quickly say congratulations to England who have made it through to the quarterfinals. In this podcast for this series as well I've also partnered with an amazing charity called Restart Rugby who are the official charity of the Rugby Players Association. This week's episode of Headstrong I've got an absolute Scottish legend. I flew up to Edinburgh to go and chat to Doddy Weir. Doddy Weir had an incredible career for the Scottish team with over 60 caps for his country. In June 2017 though, Doddy officially announced to the public that he was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. Motor neurone disease is an extremely uncommon condition that affects the brain and nerves and it causes weakness that gets worse over time. And unfortunately there is no cure at this stage. However, Doddy Weir, OBE, has created this incredible charity and has raised over £5 million already to put money into funding the research for a cure for motor neurone disease. So I really hope you enjoy this inspirational episode. Doddy, thank you so much for letting me come up and come into your house to record this episode of Headstrong with you. It's really kind to let me come up and see you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much and well done for getting it all set up. <laughs> well, we've got a, a few technical issues, but nothing that hasn't can't be resolved, so that's okay. Um, I've been really looking forward to meeting you. Um, I've heard so many things about you. Obviously, you were before my time, but obviously I've watched so many videos and my dad's told me so many stories about you. So it's an absolute pleasure to meet the absolute legend. And obviously, with all your charitable efforts as well, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. So that's really great. Um, You're but- a bigger legend than me because uh, hearing about your CV is just lovely <laughs> to see what, and hear what you've been up to about acting. Well, <laughs> I dabble playing and a bit of podcasting and it's lovely to see that so well done to you what you're doing as well well thank you very much that's really really kind um let's go back to the beginning you were born in edinburgh right and and you were raised in edinburgh uh not not really no born in edinburgh yeah because uh mum dad or mum was sadly passed away maybe about uh, a couple of months ago, I'm sorry so we grew up on a on a family farm, just possibly maybe forty minutes south of Edinburgh. So that's where I was raised at a place called Fountain Hall Farm, it's called Ferry Farm. So I'm the eldest of four, so I've got one sister and two brothers. So that's where we grew up. Went to the local primary school, which was pretty small. 
I think between the primaries one and seven, there might have been 21 people in total in the school. So it was quite a remote area we, we grew up. And then in the later years, maybe when I was 10 or 11, went to school in Edinburgh. So went back to the roots where I was born and was there for eight years and then went back to sort of university study agriculture in Edinburgh mm. for a further three years and um, and one thing or another. So Edinburgh has been a pretty big part of my life, yes. So whereabouts did rugby fit in in that early childhood? Was it a family influence mm. or did it come somewhere else from school? Well, I think more from school. For the borders, is what there's, there's a, a kind of saying, it's I been, which means it's always been uh, a big rugby area. But uh, with that, I think I got, because the school was so small, we didn't really do an awful lot of sports. So it was Daniel Stewart and Melville College in Edinburgh is where I went to school. That They were very strong in the game of rugby, and that's where I picked up the game. But I wasn't very good at the game of rugby. I was, I was not that tall as what I am now. I'll be kind of normal height till maybe about 15 I was maybe in the first and seconds all the way along. In the later school years, I'd be the fourth and fifths because I was very skinny. So with that, didn't do great amounts in the game of rugby. But in the later years of school, decided that it was something I wanted to do. But I have to admit, it was horse riding as well that I used to do quite a lot, which... It's maybe surprises quite a lot of people because standing here at six foot six, <laughs> uh, you don't normally find the horse riders that size. So I was in the pony club at early years. So that's my main sport. It was the sport that I thoroughly enjoyed was riding on horses. And with, with anything, when you look back on it, it probably gave me a bit of training to be in the rugby. So when you do the dressage, yeah. you've got to try and remember your course. And that might help me with remembering the line-out calls and everything. When you're on the cross-country, you've got to have a bit of... It's a bit of trust in your horse because there's some pretty big jumps in there. And again, in the, in the line-outs in the game of rugby and the scrums, you've got a lot of trust in the props and the players round about you. And then in the show jumping, you've always got to try and find the quickest route from A to B. So you've got to try and cheat as much as you can. <laughs> were you good uh, at that? Well, I think, yeah. I think <laughs> and, and nowadays, it, you were able to cheat a lot more than... than not that we're obviously encouraging that at well, all, no, Well, no, cheat is maybe strong. You've got to play as close as you can to the laws of the game. Cheating is, is not what it's about. But by that, I mean you're... <clears throat> the referees, you've got to try and go as close to the gain line as possible. So that would be an idea like being offside. Um, yes, it's cheating, but you only get called to cheat if you get caught. <laughs> but I don't endorse that anyway. But that's these little things is when the referees may be looking in the wrong direction and you gain a couple of yards. Now, that's cheating as such. But not to the, and it's trying to play with the laws of the game and it was quite enjoyable doing that but now you can't do that because of the, the amount of cameras that are on the game so it's certainly changed a lot but the early days was Jumel but it was a horse riding that I wanted to compete with I have heard you say recently um, that you think that the game's gone a bit soft well it, it, it's I'd there's certainly areas to it that I think it's probably very true. And certainly the contact area, the tackle, yeah. is maybe harder now, but we are a thing called rucking. So if you're on the ground in the wrong place, people would stand in it. Um, there was also a lot more battles with each other. Um, in the game, you you see the, the, the referee, maybe the contacts, not as difficult as it was because people could steal the ball nowadays. There very seldom does that happen today. So, yeah, the rucking certainly makes a big difference. And, yeah, I think in a certain way, maybe it is a bit softer. Well, you played, you played for a lot of big clubs. You played for uh, Newcastle, the Borders, and then obviously you had 61 caps for Scotland. Looking back on your career now, taking that, you know, outside perspective, is there anything that you look back and think, that was a real highlight. That was like up there, top of the list of 
your rugby career? Lewis, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. I've been very lucky and look back and don't really talk about it too much. So when when you say it, it's because I think I've been very fortunate above the average height. I was brought into Scotland when I was 20. I was 13 and a bit stone then. So how the game has changed now, it was great fun. Not Maybe if I was involved now, I might not have enjoyed it as much because it's very analysed now. You've Every time you go training, you've got a GPS unit on, you watch your diet, your sleep. Every single part of the game is analysed. And that we, I didn't really like that. What I enjoyed is just going out and playing. And the social aspect as well was pretty massive in our day, um, which was quite exciting because we meet up on a Wednesday before an international on a Saturday and uh, have a, quite a few beers and enjoy it. Good team time. We'd sleep it off Thursday, Friday and then play again on Saturday and want to play now. I think the players of today probably meet up weeks in advance, not allowed any socialising. And to me, it was it was an enjoyable time. So when you have a look back on what I've been very lucky to be involved in, playing for the local side in Melrose was, was a great time. We had a bit of success there. On to Newcastle, a bit of success there as well. <laughs> Scotland, good times. I was able to be playing for 10 years, which was just, Unbelievable three sort of World Cups and great memories, and then going on the Lions tour as well of '97 was, which was unfortunately cut short. <laughs> it was, yeah, but that's that's life. That's what it's rugby, I suppose. It is. It's the highs and the lows of the game, and there's a lot of good, good players that should have been on the Lions tour that haven't. So I'm very fortunate to have the the letter to go on and get some the kit and play a couple of games with them, and then. So my rugby career, there's, there's a lot, a lot of highs there and there's a lot of things and not only that, it's allowed me to travel the world as well. And I was on question of sport at Lapland, which... No way. Uh, cool. on, on the Christmas special, all due to the game of rugby and the rugby tours you go on and the travels you've had. I'm just sort of living the dream, to be fair with you, because I've had such a, an amazing time and met a lot of amazing people and... It's an example, it wasn't for my rugby, you wouldn't meet you, big man. Uh, well, thanks for having me. And so early into the new millennium, you, you, you were coming to the end of your rugby career and you retired. Did you know when you were retiring from playing rugby that you always wanted to stay involved in the rugby scene? Because you obviously did some punditry for the BBC, but then you obviously had your, your university degree on, in farming and then you did some after-dinner speaking as well. Did you always want to keep some sort of rugby in your life? Yeah, I think I think when everyone's given up the game of rugby, I thought I could do a bit of coaching. But there was no opportunities there because in the game of rugby, you have a look at the coaches and to in order for myself to do it, I'd have to do it professionally and there's maybe not the opportunity there. There's not a lot of vacancies compared to uh, like football. So nothing came up. So yeah, I'd... I lived the dream after the game of rugby and went to work for my father-in-law because my old boy said there wasn't enough work on the farm for, for him and I in the sewage treatment world. So I went and started selling sewage plants. So that's where the slogans came that your business was now my business and <laughs> your number twos are my number ones. <laughs> And, uh, and a lot of things like that. So we did that for maybe 15 years to, to where we are at the moment with this MND. But that was an enjoyable time because at some stage you've got to give up the, the rugby and, and, and where you are and what you're doing. And I was quite excited about trying a new a new arena and that was the business world and into the sewage world. So it was, almost, it was a new chapter in the book, I suppose. It was exactly that, yeah. A new chapter, a new area to try and conquer. Well, you'd gained so many fans from rugby, but then obviously in 2017, you obviously came out and were public with your um, motor neuron disease. And that obviously attracted a lot of attention uh, in the rugby scene, but globally as well. And I can first of all say congratulations with how much money you've raised so far for your, your charity, mm. which is incredible. Um, do, you know how, do you know what the figure is to date? Well, if, yeah, if we go back to it, the, the, it's not me and I feel 
I, I, we were talking about but the game of rugby, which is I feel like a back at the moment. You know the good looking backs, yeah, like yourself. <laughs> That, that take all the glory for winning the game. I was, I was on the bench, Dory. I was on the bench. I don't believe that at all. But it's like it's like the standoffs and the full-backs and the wingers who score all the tries when the games get the accolades. But as you forget, it's the forwards that actually win the ball for them. And I feel a bit like that as well at the moment. The, the amount of support has just been unbelievable. And I'm sitting here reaping maybe the awards a little bit and getting rewarded quite a number of things, but I've got to send that to thanks to everyone that's been involved because it wasn't for that support. We wouldn't have been able to spend, I think we're up to three and a half million pounds in 20 months into three million to research and 500,000 into the help of people with MND. That would not be possible. That's brilliant. And it's so unbelievable. It's making a huge difference to a lot of people and we have to continue but. Yeah, it's been quite a journey in the last maybe two and a half, three years without a shadow of a doubt. Hi everybody, sorry to interrupt the podcast, just a quick word from our two sponsors. Headstrong is very fortunate to have found two amazing sponsors and supporters for season two of Headstrong, the Rugby World Cup special, forming a brilliant partnership between Headstrong, our chosen charity Restart Rugby and themselves. They cover between them all aspects of global insurance and both have strong historical ties to the wider rugby and well-being communities. Ascot Group is a Bermuda domiciled global specialist in insurance and reinsurance. Built on a foundation of underwriting expertise, but with a culture of collaboration, dedication, empowerment and accountability that is the fabric of the company. Their integrity is reinforced by a strong track record and dedication to clients, brokers and partners. For more information on Ascot Group, visit www.ascotgroup.com. BMS are an entrepreneurial, agile, specialist insurance and reinsurance broker that prides itself on their reputation for exceptional client service and position as one of the leading global brokers. For more information on BMS, visit www.bmsgroup.com. Now, back to the podcast. So I've read part of your book, My Name's Dottie, The Autobiography, which is great. And I, when I was reading it, um, you said that you obviously came out publicly um, to say that you'd been diagnosed with MND in June 2017, but you'd actually known even the Christmas bef- before that. Did you always want to keep it to yourself and keep it to the family for a while, but then you wanted to raise money and start this charity? Was that always an ambition when you realised that you had the condition? Well, go, go, if we go back a little bit, the the, the MND, it's, uh, <clears throat> there's no one um, sort of form of test to find you've got MND. So you've got to go through quite a lot of different tests. So brain scans, funnily enough, they didn't find anything there. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't an issue. Lumbar puncture, shock therapy, blood tests. And if anything comes sort of clear there's an indication you've got MND. So we went through a number of tests. And we kind of got the official go-ahead or the official nod in nearly three years ago come December. And and that, yeah, for the good lady was quite hard to take. I can imagine. But for myself, again, when you look back on your life, with the rugby, I always put myself down. So with every game you played, the next game, I'll be dropped. And if you were in the team, it was a lovely success. If you weren't, you expected the worst news. Oh, I knew that was coming. So when I got the diagnosis of MND, that's my mentality. That's the mentality I took. Well, look, I knew I was pretty certain I had this because I Googled it as well. And also I used Van der Vesey's in the South African numbers nine mm. um, had it as well so I was speaking to his team and to see what was going on and what was happening so when my professor ultimately said you've got MND wasn't too sure of totally what it meant but I know myself thought oh, this is going to be pretty tricky uh, and my wife bless her Kathy it was the final nail in a way that she was hoping that it wouldn't be, so she was quite upset. So on the back of that, just before Christmas, my mother had cancer 
and it might have been that last Christmas as well. So oh, we sorry. thought <laughs> long and hard a little bit by it to say, look, let's just keep it quiet till January or something, get Christmas through to see how we're getting on. But in the meantime as well, it was quite tricky for my, myself because when speaking to the professor, he said, you will not walk into this um, surgery in a year's time, you'll be in a wheelchair. And that been that was the, the reality and the difficult for myself because looking at the statistics on the computer, did I have a week to live? Did I have three months to live? Six months? Did I have a year? Five years? No one could tell me. No one would know. In a year's time, I was a very active individual, professional sportsman. And then to be knocked down and be told you're going to be in a wheelchair in a year's time was another difficult thing to take. And it materialised as well when we did a little research in January that, um, that with MND, terminal illness, the average life expectancy once diagnosed is between one and three years. Which is a, har- a very harrowing statistic, isn't it? It's not the best. It's, um, it's yeah, no. really heartbreaking, really. Well, it is. But, and here you are, though. It is in a way, though, but you can put a different, a different spin on it that, if you've got a medical issue that's quite serious, would you like to be told you've got three, six, nine months, three years to live? Or would you just be like to be taken out the next day? And with me, I think looking back on it, the, the end of life is horrific because you may or may not know with MND, basically it's a muscle-wasting disease within your body, so your muscles and your legs disappear so you can't walk. Your hands and shoulders disappear, so you can't clothe, bathe, eat. You can't speak eventually, you can't swallow. And it's just absolutely horrific what happens. But I've been lucky, you see. So the last two and a half years, I've been spending a lot of time with the family. And because I've been told that I don't have a lot of time. So with that, it's a major buzz. So we've been doing a lot of things with family, double celebrating birthdays, and the annoying thing for myself is that there's nothing out there that can stop MND. There's a drug came out 25 years ago. That's yeah, the only thing. So obviously, my name's Dolly Foundation is raising all this money, which is fantastic, and that money is being put into the research. But do you ever get told of any any progress on that? Because obviously, that one drug that came out over 20 years ago, it's crazy that nothing has progressed. Any well, further. also that drug. Um, only extends your life for three months, and so it's pretty use, useless. So I asked one question to Professor, if you know that it has a, nut, a wee bit of an effect, why can't you add bits to it to bring it into today's environment, add a turbo to it? And he said, well, we don't know really what it does. So there's very little being done on the MND side, and it's a very horrific death that people have, so you need help to do pretty much most of the things that are for end of life. Um, so with that, that's why the frustrations came in, and that's why my rugby friends thought, right, we'll, we'll raise a bit of money to try and help, because they again maybe thought that I wouldn't be living uh, too long. So so they're delighted that I've lived for three years now. They're, they've put a lot of hard work into the trust in the foundation. But with that, though, on a serious note, they've been absolutely unbelievable. So Scott Hastings, he's our chair, Finlay Calder, John Jeffrey, Gary Armstrong, uh, my good lady, Cathy Stuart Weir, who's been involved with me for a long time, and Jill Douglas is heading it all up. So the team have been unbelievable. The support's been unbelievable. It was set up, really, to just make a difference and... I think again in the game of rugby, if you don't, if you don't get the jersey, what do you do? You've got two, two areas to to look at. One is to sit down and not fight, or the other one is to say, I want that back. And with that, with the MND fight, we said, well, this is just crazy. Why there's uh, nothing been done for twenty five years? Let's go and make a difference. And at the moment, with the foundation, what we've got, has just been truly amazing where we are and the focus has 
definitely on to try and make a difference in what we're doing now. But we need continuous support to continue. Because- well, for those who don't know, it's called My Name's Doddy Foundation, and it is going from strength to strength from literally everyone who I keep speaking to about it. So it's really positive for you and the whole foundation and anyone who suffers with MND as well. So that's really great that it's going from strength to strength. And listen, in a way, I think it gives me a purpose in life and it's maybe helped me why I'm here and why the MND's hit me a bit slower than other people. And what focuses the mind as well, and when we, when we um, set it all up, there was an email came through uh, to myself, a boy in Yorkshire, who said, Big man, keep up the good work. My brother-in-law got diagnosed in September 2017 and died in December 2017. He was 38 years of age and had two kids, two and five. And I look at that in a way that that is horrific, and it is horrific, but in a way it gives me a bit of positiveness to say, well, what have I got to complain about? I'm 10 years further on. The kids are 10 years further on. My three kids, 10 years further on. So I've got to just enjoy life while I can, and, and that's what I'm trying to we're here to, to raise awareness and funds for MND because it's important we do this, but also for people to to enjoy them, their family time because you just never know what's around the corner. I was a professional sportsman thinking I would be fine for the retiring. My sewage company was going well, and all of a sudden you're hitting with this, this news. And with that, even taking the kids down to the park for a game of football or rugby or tennis or any sport and take them off an ice cream when you can to me is a vital ingredient because you just don't know what's around the corner. I just want to talk to you about your family now if that's okay. Um, since your diagnosis how important has your family been to your positive frame of mind because obviously they, they must also give you a purpose as well as the the foundation they must really keep you keep you going and give you a real drive to to see them and obviously I have heard you talk that you wanted to meet your your son's girlfriends and you know show them show them the way and stuff. So have you managed to you know fit in all these activities and enjoy your family time as well? <laughs> well, that tech box is still to be filled, dear. I'm not got that over yet, Lucy. You might have a wee one for the big man, but, uh, but yeah, that's a major driver. I think when you see your kids growing up, that's what life's about—to grow up with them and and see first. And, and I've been very fortunate in the last couple of years since diagnosis. They've been able to see them pass the driving test. The two of them have left school now as well. They're playing a game of rugby. The wee one just was not that wee and, and height-wise, but the 15-year-old is... Ben is playing for Borders, isn't he? He is. The Borders under 16, who so just won the, the local regional championship the other day, which was lovely. Did you uh, get, to get, get down to watch that? Yeah, one day. It was just down the road, but... And, and that's a major part now as well to try and watch them play and the other two play for Melrose Age Group as well so Hamish and Angus are involved in that but yeah the girlfriend thing is just quite strange I don't know what it is but they're not or do you think they're it. hiding it from I you they are well uh, for, for, that's for, too embarrassing <laughs> well the they do say that, funnily enough, we must have spoken to them but they're, they're being quite coy by it I believe one of them might have had a girl back and spoke to myself and my good lady Kathy in the kitchen while he sneaked out the back door. Ooh. So we didn't get to see. Some family tactics going yeah. on there. So we're, we're cutting on now. So we've hid the back door key. Oh. So he has to come through the kitchen, you see. So we're, we're playing games, but it's funny. It's, it's exciting games. And again, you, you've you've hit the nail on the head that the family time is very important. And we lost mum, i say, two months ago, very sad. But in a way, she said, oh, the most amazing time, 73 years of age, our, our farewell was, was quite an amazing time. It sounds bizarre to say something like that, but she, 450-plus people, if you know, very close family time, Everyone was told not to wear black, so came with lots of bright colours, and it was an amazing end to what she had, an amazing life. And with that, it just keeps you driving on to, to spend time with the family. 
No, absolutely. And you've talked as well previously that not only is it your initial family, but you've talked about your rugby family. And how was that when they rallied around you when you were diagnosed with MND and you started the charity? You, you said about your, your great um, team at, at, the, at the foundation. But how important is that rugby family rallying around you as well? And not just the immediate ones that you know, but the entire kind of community actually of rugby kind of supporting you. I just thought, what's can't describe what, what it what it's all meant and and where we are with that. And you never realise at the time the support you get when you're when the chips are down or somebody's not well. And this, I didn't play it for that. I played it for the enjoyment and meeting friends. But when someone's in a bit of a pickle like myself, it's just been truly unbelievable the support that we've received. I think there's been maybe in the region of seven or 800 functions wow. for the foundation in the last 20 months. And a lot of them are, are rugby clubs, rugby friends. And it shows you what the rugby the rugby family's up to. It's just been truly remarkable. And um, again, gives me a reason for getting up in the morning to say, right, I'm going to try and fight this. And this is something I've been doing in a way that not allowing really MND to affect my life as much as maybe it wants to. So I'm adapting. So for an example, I maybe can't uh, drink a pint of lager with one hand. So I use two hands. No so worries. Perfect. So instead of having two pints in either hand, it's okay. Well, yeah, I'll go yeah. to the bar and get you another one. Well, I'll do exactly that. And, and sometimes there's, there's a new design coming out with a, a pint glass with a handle on the side. And that makes it a lot easier for me to drink and eating. I still go and drive the tractor and the, drive the car just so it, it doesn't affect me. And I think when you do that, you have the positive mindset to it. Unfortunately, that's the only real drug. Because going back to the rugby family as well, I phoned uh, Youth Van der Bessie's foundation to see he'd been diagnosed and I think he lived with MND for maybe seven years before he passed away maybe two years ago or thereabout phoned his brothers to say what has he been up to and he said Big Philip we flew him around the world everywhere and unfortunately not, no medicine helped him except positive thinking and that's what I took out of that call is positive thinking because the craziness this is the MND it's it's Every patient is on self-curing. Now, by that, I mean the doctors or the professors, look, I can't help you. There's your nurse in the corner, pretty much go and die. And so you go home, you go, right, well, I'm not going to allow this to happen. And everyone has to go on the computer, I think, and, and Google. And everyone's doing different things. And I just think that's balmy. There should be more time spent on what works and what doesn't work. And... And that's the frustration, but that's my goal. That's my game at the moment. That's the long term. It is. It's the game. It's it's what we're playing, and we've brought all the professors together who finally are speaking together, which is amazing. It's never been done before, so the top 10, 12, 15 professors in the UK are, are finally maybe speaking to each other behind closed doors, speaking what they're all involved in, because before it was very secretive. They should be sharing their research and... They trying are. to find out the best, yeah. Yeah, and they weren't really doing that. So now they're doing that, which again will help the, or the hopefulness of trying to find this this cure. Or this well, that's stuff. really positive and exciting. So, well, let's, we can all hope and hope that they're they're, they're working hard. They're working. Hard. Well, they are. We've, no, of course, we're keeping in touch with them. It's, that's great. It's nice to challenge them, and then being the height I am, they they say, "Oh, it'll take maybe six, six years." And I go, six years." <laughs> What's wrong with five, four, three, two, one? What do you need to do it in one year instead of six years? Do you have a lot of communication with them, or is it quite sporadic? No, no, we do. They're all, they're all there. We've got a kind of open dialogue with them all. We've got the most amazing team behind as well, the medical team that are doing a great job, and it just makes it life easier for myself. And to know that something's being done, it gives me, a, as I keep saying, a reason to get up in the morning, and mm. we have to to continue this drive because not only with MND it could help with MS and other neurological issues. So obviously um, those that do suffer with MND there are huge physical restrictions that you have to adapt and overcome but I imagine as well that 
the mental aspect as well is hugely um you know influential as well so is there anything that you maybe practice daily that um um helps you physically or mentally that gets you through daily or is it that positive mental attitude um that gets you through it well i think definitely the positive mental attitude you gotta get up with the positiveness to say right i'm gonna do what i can do and then today for example or the week i go and see a chiropractor now it's been working for me it might not work for everybody so I see him twice, once or twice a week. I see a deep, a deep um, sports massager, and I, again, works for me, might not. I go swimming once a week uh, and the gym. Now, my idea behind all that is if I can keep the body active, then hopefully the muscles can't disappear as quick. And again, I mentioned still living a wee small thing here that I was driving my tractor this morning driving the car still. So with these ideas, I'm heading to Edinburgh tonight to speak at the uh, Edinburgh Festival, book festival on, on my book there. So Very exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm going up on my own. It sounds like it's a kiddie thing, but actually, Lewis, it's a big thing for me to say that I can still be independent. I might, and uh, the annoying thing maybe at the moment is I can take my clothes off, but I can't get them on, which oh. is not... Not such a good thing. <laughs> a bit of a shock for the sons when they walk in. <laughs> well, yeah. But they, and again, you talk about the family. The boys are, are fantastic. You know, they've maybe had to help me more than, than other family members or other people need to do, which they're adapting to that as well, which is lovely for them. So things are very busy, but I do, as you mentioned, on a positivity to say, I have MND. It is a terminal issue. Things are not very clever, but I'm not going to let it affect me uh, as much as maybe it could do. So I'm going to continue and get on and see people and do things. Are there any highlights or um, things that have occurred that you've actually had the opportunity to experience despite being a sufferer of MND? Because obviously it may have opened a few doors. Um, So there must be perhaps a couple of silver linings where you've actually thought, wow, that was actually an incredible opportunity that I was given. Is there anything that, that comes to mind? Well, I think the journey we've been on has been quite one of unbelievableness. And um, that's such a word, but we'll use that um, because we've been invited to a lot of lovely places as a family. One of the main ones I think we'll look back on is that as soon as it happened, I promised the kids that I would take them to a Lions tour to go and watch. Now, the ideal one would be South Africa, the one that I was on, but it was in four years' time, so I was hedging the best, thinking, will I, will I make it or will I not, and how will I be? So New Zealand was six months really after being diagnosed, so that was a priority. So to go on that tour was just one of an amazement. My brother came with me as well and his family. Uh, we had camper vans and went from north to south. Um, still look back on it now, it's an amazing trip. And, and with that as well, we, had, <laughs> we were very kindly awarded a Rugby World Award. Yeah, I And it was in Monaco. So good lady and I went there as well. And um, when you got to enter into the, the function room, they gave you a credit card to show you what table you were on. And we thought we were on table 10. So which... Fly uh, half, in you come. Well, yeah, you <laughs> go, go on that way, yes. It was a massive dinner and I got to table 10, couldn't see our names on the table. Uh, unfortunately, we read the card the wrong way around. So it was table one. Wow. We're on. So we're, we're next to Prince Albert and Sir Bill Beaumont now and the excellent Japan lead, um, which was just funny but quite amazing. Um, and it was a lovely time. We had the most amazing time in there. But Sean Fitzpatrick and, and a few people on table two. I thought being a table one, we'll get some special wine with Prince Albert. <laughs> I thought, yeah, here we go. <laughs> but looking across the table too, where Sean and the team and his team were there as well, a lot of other boys were there, got the same wine. And, and that, Well, it was a bit because at the end of the dinner, we, we good lady and I were serving sober and Sean and his team were, were quite tiddled because we <laughs> we were not allowed to help ourselves. We had to get table service because the the hierarchy. So we had to wait for Prince Albert to, 
finish his class. Oh, it'd be rude if you were necking out the yeah. bottle. We had a table two, but on it. So, <laughs> but just so journeys like that, it's been quite amazing. As well, well, speaking of royalty, you were recently um, you were on the new 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 Year's honours list, and you met the Queen recently, haven't you? So, congratulations on that, you Dod- Doddy Weir OBE. Uh, it's very kind, but again. All these credits and awards have come from so many lovely people that have helped out in, in, in the journey that we're on and support and raising awareness and funds as well. So it's it's really down to them and I'm just taking the accolade. But that that special occasion was was made special and you mentioned it before in the programme here, the family. So the five of us went up uh, to the palace and it was just a, an amazing day, but amazing day made very special because of family. And um, thanks to everyone for what they've been doing because that wouldn't be possible. So um, it wasn't still the memories are, are still there and hopefully with the kids for a long time. To come. Yeah, whilst you may still take the honour, there's that huge community that surrounded you that have got you to where you are today, which is amazing, really, really exciting. Um, do you remember, though, what the Queen said to you? Similarly, you're not allowed to tell what she said. You're not allowed to say? No, you're not. Oh, no. I'm afraid. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, that's stumped that question. It has. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> no, but, yeah. She was asking how you're getting on. And yeah. Good oh. luck with your acting. <laughs> you could be the next James Bond. She said. Oh. Not to me, though. Not to me, <laughs> to you, Liz. Yeah. Oh, that's no, great. She's, she is one of the most amazing ladies, I think. I couldn't um, agree more. That are there and a work that she does, Tyler's. Very friendly, very nice, um, and just truly lovely. And it made it probably more special that she was there to to hand over, and the, and the boys were able to be in the company of of her as well, which was just lovely. So, what's next for Doddy Weir and your foundation? Are you con- going to continue keep raising support and awareness for uh, motor neurons disease? Is that the, is that the the goal? Most definitely, we're definitely we're 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 picking up steam. We're 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 relatively young in charitable terms, Absolutely. but the support and the drive that we've got is just truly amazing. We're we're making inroads to give grants to and money to research because. That's what's required to try and find a cure. And that's my goal. That's my legacy in some ways is to make a difference. And to, But the benefit with this is the, the foundation's got quite large now in the monetary time, but we need to keep going with that, but also in the support, because not only helping myself, it's everyone with MND in, in the UK and the world who are here to try and make a difference with. And that, that is certainly where I'm putting a lot of effort into and it keeps driving me on. So everyone with MND, rest assured that we're, we need as much support, more money, unfortunately, to, to, to keep continuing. But there's things coming afoot at the moment that will make a difference to our, our lives at some stage. Well, I have no doubt that the support will continue, which is really positive for you and the charity, which is great. But obviously, this is a Rugby World Cup special podcast. And so obviously, I need to talk to you about the potential of how Scotland might fare at this year's World Cup. And obviously, the group is Ireland, Japan, Russia and Samoa. How do you think the boys are going to do? Well, I think they're going to bring the trophy home. <laughs> they've kept the Kilkenna Cup for another year. Yeah. Um, so with that... They've, they've that was not, a great game, wasn't it? It was an unbelievable game, yeah. And it gives confidence to the team. Um, it was 31-7 to England at half-time and then... Yeah. And it shouldn't have happened, but testament to the players, they, they dug in, they, they found flaws in the English game and and, and and made the most of it. And it was just an amazing uh, atmosphere. A lot of my friends actually maybe never saw the second half because they were thinking 31-7, oh, here we go! Mm. Went away, walked the dog and missed the final result. But the World Cup is, is special. And um, once every four years it comes around. Um, it's cup competition. Uh, Scotland have got quite a tricky group, I would say, with yeah. Ireland and and Samoa are always pretty tricky. Pretty play, physical pretty team. Physical big boys. Japan 
I've, I've shown a certainly increase in, in determination and how they play and it's at home for them as well. So Scotland, I think the goal will be to get out the group, which I think they could easily do, although they've not had the best of starts against France last week. But it's warm-up games and I think people maybe look into it too much. There's maybe some teams that are trying different things and ways and means to play the game. And, and with that, when you go into the competition, that's when it starts. That's when results count. And it'd be lovely to see uh, the Kolkata, or the World Cup next to the Kolkata Cup. So I think I know the answer to this question <laughs> that's coming up. But So the 2nd of November 2019 Scotland. is the final. <laughs> Who are the two teams that are going to make it to, to the international stadium of Yokohama? Who are going to be the two teams? So obviously Scotland is Scotland one, clearly. I think, I, I don't know what way the draw goes, but if Scotland, New Zealand could be in the final, that would be quite nice. And then Scotland beating New Zealand, because it'll be a fuss for both, because they've never beaten New Zealand oh. and they've never lifted the World Cup. That would be quite an amazing uh, game. Or even Scotland, England. It'll be quite a nice battle as well. Scotland Wales. Well, Scotland we'll Wales. Have another one. Scotland Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Scotland. It, it doesn't matter who else comes up, but it, I think it's been an exciting tournament. There's, there's no doubt about that, and there's a lot of teams who are building well to, to lift that trophy. So I have two final questions that I ask all of my guests on Headstrong the podcast. My first one is, and I suppose we can slightly adapt it. What advice would you give to your sons right now as they're young adults, they've just come out of teenhood, um, what piece of advice would you give them? And I suppose, would you have given to your younger self uh, at 18? Uh, Looking back, I think it's got to be enjoying life. Only comes once and I look back on my life and wouldn't change anything because from day one, when maybe even at school, later years at school, I enjoyed every time. If you've got an opportunity to do something different, then do it. If you like it, do it again. If you don't, you don't need to do it again. Sort of thing, but certainly go out to enjoy life because you just don't know what's on the corner. And my final question is, what does the word headstrong mean to you? Oh, okay. Think on the feet here. Headstrong, there's two meanings I would be looking at it. Headstrong sometimes could be a negative way of thinking to say that you're a headstrong individual, that you are always correct and your way is always the correct way, which I don't necessarily agree with. But another way on, on the meaning of headstrong would be, and I think this is one I would take it on, would be be a positive. Bring something to the, to the world that maybe isn't there already. Be nice to people. Be thankful. Um, please and thank you cost nothing. And, and with that, it gets you a, a lovely, <coughs> it gets you a long way. And... And headstrong is just just be confident with, with yourself and what you can do. Doddy, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for letting me come up to your, your lovely house. Um, I haven't met the kids, but I'm sure they're absolutely great. Um, best of luck with My Name's Doddy Foundation. May it continue going from strength to strength. Uh, and I hope that uh, you keep finding, you know, um, greatness in each and every one of your days, which is great stuff, which you seem to be doing. You're so positive and it's so, so lovely that you haven't stopped smiling this entire conversation. <laughs> it's because I think you enjoy life as well. And I'm just having a look at the, the state of your mobile phone there, you see? All the crack screens and everything. It's an indication that life is for living and you've been living life and the best wishes to you because you fulfil a lot of the, the, the sites that I'm on and sayings that I'm looking at at the moment. So good luck to you and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. A huge, huge thank you to Doddy Weir for his time and energy when I flew up to Edinburgh earlier this year. I think we can all agree that he is an incredibly inspiring individual, but he's still got such an incredible sense of humour and personality that I hope stays with him forever. I wish him and his foundation all the best as well to continue raising all that money to find a cure for motor neurone disease. 
Well, that is it for this episode of Headstrong. I really hope you've enjoyed it, but I really want to get the message out from all these inspiring individuals to as many people as possible. So please do talk to all your friends, your family, go share it if you fancy on social media, and definitely please do subscribe and rate it on all the streaming platforms. At the end of this series as well, I'm going to be auctioning off a couple of pieces of Rugby World Cup memorabilia signed by every person that has come on this podcast, as well as a couple of special mentions including Danny Cipriani and James Haskell. So if you're interested in those, keep an eye out on the Headstrong social platforms to see how you can bid on those. The money I raise on these items will go straight to my partner and the charity Restart Rugby. More from Damien Hopley on the charity right now. My name is Damien Hopley, Group Chief Executive of the Rugby Players Association. Restart is the official charity of the RPA, and the charity provides crucial support to current and former professional rugby players suffering from serious injury, illness or hardship. Since 2005, Restart has invested over £1.7 million into player welfare and support by funding medical treatment, rehabilitation or disability support, financial support and emotional support by providing a 24-7 confidential counselling service and we're the only body in English rugby that invests in mental health support. One in four people in the UK will be affected by mental illness in any year. Rugby players are no exception and often the pressures and strains that act as a catalyst to mental health issues are magnified for professional athletes. Players often find it difficult to cope with the transition out of rugby and the reality is that over 60% of players reported mental health issues post-retirement and over 50% of players take two years or longer to be in control of their lives post-rugby. In 2008, the Rugby Players Association and Restart launched a 24-7 telephone helpline and counselling service to provide vital mental health support to those players and families that were facing struggles. 42 current and former players accessed the confidential counselling last year More than 140 players have accessed the counselling service over the past three seasons. Every year, Restart spends up to £60,000 on our confidential counselling service to help support our players. Without support from donors and fundraisers, Restart would simply not be able to continue this vital support for our players. Sadly, these mental health issues can lead to devastating consequences. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK, and rugby players are not immune. It's great to see the players talking more openly about their mental health struggles within rugby and after they finish playing. Thank you for all your support towards Restart. Without people like yourselves, we could not help players and their families in the way that we do. So thank you all very much. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.